Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Cold Hard Truth NFL podcast. I'm your host, Anish Gupta. And I'm your host, Srikara Jender. A little bit of a different setting here. I'm kind of in this, like, isolated pod. Um, but, uh, pod in yeah, the pod. so I'm doing a pod, pod inside a pod. That's that's the whole mantra for today. Um, yeah, so today we've got something a little bit different. Um, it's off-season content, so really not much to recap. Instead, kind of looking forward. Uh, and uh, what we're going to do is kind of this idea that Shrikar had. I think we did something similar in 2020. We'll kind of take a little bit of that. Uh, it's basically, you know, we're trying to find uh, the biggest need for each uh, team. We'll start off with the AFC, so we'll cover all AFC teams in this episode. And the next one we'll do NFC. So uh, what that entails is we'll probably, you know, argue or just maybe agree upon what's the biggest need for a certain team. Throw out some draft prospects that we think would match uh, and, you know, kind of just an outlook on how the team is looking. So uh, I think I covered a streak. You want to take it from here? Let's go ahead and do it. Uh, and just for clarity, I probably won't pick one specific need. I'm just going to throw a few out there because let's be real, like for a lot of these teams, it's not one specific need, right? So let's start in the AFC East. Uh, we'll go with the Bills to start. We'll just go alphabetical order here. I just have it pulled up on the side. Uh, but the Bills, a very disappointing end to their season, and they've got holes to fill. For starters, Brandon Bean could consider a receiver to pair with Stephon Diggs. Gabe Davis, he's talented, but he's also inconsistent, and he has only one year left on his deal, so... Receiver is a need there. Uh, you could also add a guard in the early rounds. Um, Roger Saffold left, so you could strengthen the line. And on defense, Bills are going to have a need um, on the defensive front in the trenches. Ed Oliver is going to hit free agency next year, and there's really nobody else notable alongside him. So adding another pass rushing presence on the interior would also help Von Miller and Greg Rousseau see less double teams. So if I had to pick one prospect uh, to match with the Bills, I'm going to attack guard here. I'm just assuming this is their first pick. Um, so they're picking at 27, I believe. So we're going to address guard. We're going to go Osiris Torrance. Um, 1,501 career pass sets, and he allowed zero sacks and only one QB hit, according to PFF, which is ridiculous. And again, the guard position is not the sexiest position to draft in round one, but these are the investments you have to make when, you know, you want a player like Josh Allen to have all the time he needs to make plays in the pocket or when your running game is taking over late in ball games. So Osiris Torrance is the pick here, and I think they attack guard first, but wide receiver and DT are two other needs that I could see for him. Yeah, I'm with you. I think for the Bills, look, I think people are finally going to realize, like, this is not the team to beat in the AFC. This is not a team that you're going to put on, you know, this pedestal that we've been putting them on. Never, ever in my eyes were they there. Um, I think their window is actually a little bit more closed than open. Um, I don't even know if they're the best team in their division. Like, I, I, I really don't. I, I think my I really they still like are. the direction. My, they still are. Yeah, I think they still are. I, I don't know for sure. I, I've always been high on Miami, so, you know, maybe that's just me. Um, but yeah, I'm with you. I think offensive line has been their biggest need and I think it has been for like years now, right? Like they're pretty much good everywhere else. 
Um, there's no like big hole. And then obviously at running back, it's not like a huge, you know, thing. Like, I don't think you need to go out and get like a B. John Robinson or something like that. I think, I think you're good where, with what you have. I forget. I, uh, are they running still? I think Naeem Hines and Moss like and Damian, Himes. Or Damian Harris, right? Or no, they, they don't, they don't have Harris. Moss anymore. Yeah. It's, uh, I think it's Damian Harris, James Cook and Hines. Hines. I think that's yep. their three headed um monster that they're working with i, I like james cook so yeah I, I think in terms of like what they would need uh definitely interior offensive line is the way to go um in terms of tackles like yeah i think it's a little bit inconsistent but uh you brought up torrance i think he's an interesting prospect i'd probably also say steve avila from tcu he's a little bit of a guy you can target a little bit later so you know if the i mean i think the bills are an easy candidate to maybe trade back if a certain blue chip guy is sliding uh, I think the Bills would definitely want to consider doing that. But, yeah, biggest need for me is interior O-line one. Uh, I'd probably say now an off-ball linebacker just because you lost Edmonds. Um, so, yeah, that's probably where I'd go for Buffalo. But in terms of, like, their outlook, they'll be fine. They'll be a perennial, you know, playoff team. Um, but I'd be worried. I'd be worried about Miami. And speaking of Miami, we're going to go straight to the Dolphins here. Uh they made a leap in 2022. You got a wild card spot in a crowded AFC. So good work there. But Miami still needs a lot of help up front at both guard and right tackle. Um, Mike McDaniel's trying to create one of the best offenses in the league, and this is how he's going to do it. And also, um, Mike Gesicki, his role kind of diminished, um, and he hit free agency. So the Dolphins have a need at tight end. And it's it's such a deep class for tight ends to the point where Miami should have some options on day two and day three to find a contributor there. So I would say really it's just two needs. It's O-line and it's tight end for Miami. Uh, and in the draft, I, I think they'd address O-line first. Um, Steve Avila, as you mentioned, could be a good option for him. Cody Mosh out of North Dakota State. Uh, that could also be a nice option there. If you get a guy who's versatile and can play guard and tackle, I think that's the way to roll. Um, and Mosh has the athleticism to do that. So I think there's a lot of options here, but I think O-line is the way to go for Miami in this draft. Yeah, I'm sticking with – I think left guard is like literally specifically what they would need to improve on on the line. Uh, I mean, you've got Armstead. I think Hunt has played pretty decent uh, in and out. Obviously, he had that highlight with the whole fumble thing. It's uh, really, Jackson it's was a, it's really just Eichenberg and Jackson, and Armstead's getting older. Yeah, so, yeah, and Jackson is pretty, you know, an interesting guy. I mean, obviously, Jack used to rave about him at USC, um, but he's 23 years old, and I really don't see as much upside as he does. So. Uh, yeah, I think left guard is definitely someone to consider. So you already listed kind of the guard prospects. Um, I also think tight end is something to consider. So, I mean, you know, uh, the Utah guy, I'm forgetting his name. Kincaid. Um, but, yeah, he's definitely a guy that a lot of people have their eyes on. I just don't think Miami would be able to get him not having a first-round pick. So um, they probably have to wait a little bit later for maybe a guy like Laporta. Um, that would probably be a guy that I would see they could go after. But if I'm Miami, I mean, you've got the pieces, right? And I I wouldn't say a leap streak because they've had three winning seasons straight since 2020. So they've just been kind of like in the in the mold. You know what I mean? Like they've just been kind of sure. coasting. Uh, so I I think they're still right where they're they are. Like they're they're still a team that's gonna get you maybe nine to ten wins. 
Um, not a team that I see, you know, being a top seed, um, but again, a team that's really talented. And I think it just, again, it comes down to Tua, just so many questions though, right? Like, um, he's just a guy that's like, you know, is he going to come back, you know, the same as he was when they were eight and three? Is he, you know, is the, cause the concussion is a really big thing to worry about. Um, they should definitely look at, you know, 24 QBs and I'll maybe throw this out. Could the Dolphins be a team to trade back? into the first round with, uh, you know, certain assets and maybe even get a guy in the 23 class. This year, I'd, I'd say no, but if they were going to do that, um, I'd look out for a guy like Hendon Hooker. I think Hooker could easily be a first rounder. A lot of people are pretty low on him. I think I'm higher on him, on him than most people. Hooker's nice. Um, it's just the ACL and the age that bother people, but I don't think age is that much of a concern anymore. Like, it's just not, like, especially with Pickett now, it's just not the biggest yeah. thing. Let me let me throw let me throw this at you. yeah. So I talked to a couple uh, a couple of the scouts when we were looking at the draft process during the pro day that we had, and what they do is when we when they make lists, it's age is a factor for the first round especially because you're giving these guys a four to five year deal, right? So the thing is, you want your pick to stay for years on end, and by the time he gets a second contract, he's looking at maybe thirty. So I think for Hooker it would be a guy that you want to wait, you know, later rounds, but as a prospect. I think Hooker is easily better than a guy like Tanner McKee. All right, like I, I don't, I don't know why. I look, and I'm not just saying this because I am a Cal, you know, scout or like because I'm a Cal fan. Tanner McKee is not good. Okay, we have like extensively done our homework on him, and he is not good. So you know, any quarterback I would rather have than Tanner McKee just because he's six six and has an arm. He's literally a worse Carson Strong. Carson Strong. So. Just take my word for it. If you're any team thinking about drafting a quarterback late, Tan McKee is not your answer. I've never right. understood yeah, it either. Like, he's gotten so much buzz in the draft community for no reason. So, all right, let's move on here. Uh, we'll go to the New England Patriots. I think this is a critical draft for the Patriots. Uh, they already lost Jacoby Myers and Isaiah Wynn in free agency off what is already an underwhelming offense. They signed Juju Smith-Schuster, but... I still think Bill Belichick desperately needs to reverse this trend that's been going on forever of missing on rookie wideouts because this receiver room is just, it's lacking star power, plain and plain and simple. Uh, and I think Belichick also has to add more talent in the secondary. Devin McCourty retired and there is no elite option in that corner room. Look, New England hasn't won a playoff game since 2018 and that streak is going to continue unless the Patriots can fortify their roster around Mac Jones or, or, or so we think I, I don't, I don't buy the rumors that they're shopping Mac Jones, but it's out there. So I'd say tackle wide receiver and DB uh, I think are the three needs for the Patriots. I don't know what they would attack in the first round. I think always with the Patriots, it's so hard to to know. I'm going to say they go tackle. And I'm looking at a guy like Broderick Jones, maybe fitting into that system there. Um, Broderick Jones has gotten a decent amount of hype recently, and for good reason. He's really athletic. Um, I mean, he looks like he's going to be a long-term starter in the NFL if he just gets the right seasoning. And we both know Bill Belichick can draft offensive line if he can't draft anything else. So I I, I think offensive tackle is the way to go here. Dip back into that well because it's worked out in the past. 
Yeah, so Pat's picks always confuse us. Uh, they always look for, you know, maybe underrated chip guys that uh, just kind of know their role, not really so much of a flashy type, uh, you know, of drafty. Ah, uh, man, for the Pats, they just have so many, like, just, like, underrated needs. It's Like, it's a roster that just isn't, you know, I don't think the Patriots have ever scared me as a top-tier roster for, like, years, and I'm including, right. like, the final Brady years. They've never really scared me in that regard. So, I mean, yeah, now you have glaring needs. Um, in the secondary, you've got glaring needs in the offensive line. Uh, you know, Mac Jones is, we know his ceiling's kind of capped. Um, I mean, just the whole, like, it was a whole roller coaster. I can't believe they even went through that in just one year between Mac and, um, uh, Zappy. Like the, it was like, it felt like a, it felt like years just like trying to decide between the two quarterbacks. I'm a bigger Zappy guy than most, but Mac is like, you know, Mac had shown some pretty good signs as rookie year. The Patriots are just in such a place of like, it's just questions and mediocrity. Like, I, like they don't scare me as a team, but you know they're too good to be bad. So um, they're, in they're no always going to be, yeah, they're going to be seemingly picking picking around this fifteen to seventeen spot. I think they have pick fourteen this year. Uh, I think a guy like maybe Joey Porter, maybe a Cam Smith uh, uh, would be a DB to take. And then for tackles, I think Paris Johnson would be the guy to go here. Uh, I don't know if he slips that far. If he does, definitely take him. But you never know with the Patriots, as you mentioned, right? Like, Broderick Jones would be a Patriots-type pick. So um, just guys that we don't really see, um, you know, maybe happening would be, you know, would end up happening to go to the Patriots. So um, I'll ask you this. You think they're – uh, a playoff team in 2023 no i've yeah, said this every like year too I, I i don't think they are they're capped their ceiling is capped i i just don't see them i don't fear them like i don't fear them as a perennial you know playoff team um sure they can beat the browns every year and they will probably continue to do that but they are not going to be a team that uh you know gets to the afc championship or anything like that i just i'm not seeing it from them i think bill is also kind of on his way out yeah, this is. I mean, we're reaching the swan yeah, like, song here. What do you here. really do, right? Yeah, like, what do you really do if you're Bill Belichick, right? Are you really gonna stick around for this, you know, long rebuilding process? Like, no, right? I, I think he's just kind of coasting, doing what he does, right? He obviously is really good schematically, and he's continuing to do that. But I mean, when you're running Matt Patricia as your offensive coordinator, like, what, like, like, it's just there's so many things going on with that team. So, yeah, if you're gonna pick a guy. Porter, Paris, whatever. Um, but in terms of the Patriots, you're stuck in no man's land. Well, Bill O'Brien this year is surely better than Matt Patricia, and yeah, you know, yeah. I'm but, actually a fan of that. Yeah, I think I think it was I, a good move. But um, one team that could reach you know that playoff conversation is the Jets, the final team that we got to cover here in the East. This is a critical April for Joe Douglas. His fourth full off season. With the Jets, um, Douglas has to eventually secure Aaron Rodgers from the Packers and then start thinking about how to build the offense around him. The Jets have Garrett Wilson uh, and Alan Lazard in free agency, but the offensive line, it's a concern, especially at right tackle, where Mekhi Becton has struggled to stay healthy. If New York can shore up the front and land Rodgers, I think this offseason could vault the Jets into contender status, genuinely. So I think they will address tackle here. Um, I'm going to go, I don't think Skaronsky slips to 13. I don't think Johnson slips to 13. I'm going to go Darnell Wright. Um, he hasn't, I haven't seen a lot on Darnell Wright, but 
tackles are in short supply uh, and Wright is simply an athletic freak. So I think, you know, he, he would be a great pickup for the jets. They're always looking to upgrade and revamp their offense. And here they do the same and get a guy who can be a bookend tackle. I think probably, I think Broderick would be a better pick here just because I think he's more of a power tackle. And I think you're getting that in ter- like, cause I think Makai when he was healthy was great for them. Like he was good, right? It's just yeah. a matter of him staying. So yeah, I think Broderick actually gives you a similar type of build there. Um, but you're right. Like in, if we really were to spend some time talking about the jets here, it's really just like, what is your ceiling with Aaron Rodgers, Right? Because look, I frankly am confused at why this move hasn't really happened. Um, I think they're just kind of at a standstill. This is like a move that just needs to be made. And honestly, the more time this takes, the more it hurts the Jets. Uh, Because the Packers know what they want to do. They're moving forward. Uh, But yeah, the Jets, you want to get as acclimated with A-Rod as possible. I mean, you like, you know, uh, workouts are finally starting to open up. Teams are uh, starting to kick it into high gear towards the new season. And you want to have your guys there. Uh, so, you know, especially for a guy who's been pretty much 18 years in one place, right? Getting settled in a new place takes a little bit of time. Uh, and even with Tom, when Tom moved to Tampa, I mean, he was kind of right there already starting. So, um, this is a process that kind of needs to be done. And I think the Jets were kind of, we're on April 7th here at the time we're recording this, like this, this move needs to be made. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much all I'm going to talk about with the Jets. I I think A-Rod comes in. You've got the pieces on defense. You've been hitting on these past few drafts, uh, except Denzel Mims. I remember Jack was really hyped about Denzel Mims. <laughs> that one did not work out. Um, but sorry, it's just like a long pick. I remember like round two. Um, yeah, so the Jets, again, similar thing, right? I, I don't really know what to expect. Uh, I think Aaron Rodgers gives you a way higher ceiling than you had before. But I think I'll say this. I don't think the Jets are a team to like fear in the AFC. I, I just don't see I don't I don't see it. I think I, don't I think they would be. I really think they would be. It depends on how they address the draft, but if you have Rodgers and you have a good O-line and with all the pieces they already have, I don't see a reason not to. I think it just comes down to I think we'll probably get some we'll get some good tests, right? So like, you know, Bills twice a year, I think that's a great test. Uh, the Jets played them well, and I think they beat them one time uh, this season anyway. So um, the Jets play, have played, uh, you know, their divisional opponents pretty well. And, yeah, in terms of draft need, yeah, I guess I'll just go back to Broderick Jones. I think offensive tackle is where they need to go. Like, I think that's a clear cut, like, what they're going to do. Uh, it's just a matter of who falls them, to them at 13, as you were saying. But, yeah, I'm really torn on, like, how I look at the Jets. I, I just don't, I, I don't know. Like, I think Rod coming there is great, right? It's another quarterback in a loaded AFC, but just so many questions. Like, I think the defense will be fine, but will, you know, is Rod really going to uplift this team? Because I don't think he's at that level anymore. I think he's like, he's going to be, you know, his accurate self, but is he really going to be a perennial 4,500 yard QB? I don't, I don't know. I don't think so. Another team with so many questions as we move into a different division here. We're starting, we're going to the AFC North. Another team with so many questions is the Baltimore Ravens. This is a really weird spot for the Ravens. Are they going with Lamar Jackson at quarterback in 2023 and beyond? If not, 
QB is the obvious position to fill with all those picks you're going to have. Otherwise, it's uh, time to target another receiver in um, the first two days. If Eric DaCosta goes another direction, I think corner makes sense. Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters have been pillars there for a long time. Peters, Peters hit free agency and Humphrey's better playing in the slot. And also adding a rookie contract at a premium position like corner, I think it would help DaCosta after he paid a lot of money to, to, uh, you know, to Roquan Smith last year. So I think wide receiver for sure is going to be the top need. And then I'd also say corner. Um, if I had to throw in a third, maybe offensive tackle, because we've always just been talking about offensive tackles at this point. Uh, but in terms of matching one receiver to the Ravens, I'll say Jordan Addison from what I'm seeing right now. I'll say Jordan Addison. I think he'd be a great fit for Baltimore at this point. And I'll leave it at that. I just think they have to grab a receiver. Yeah, Baltimore, as you said, I mean, man, a lot of a lot of these teams are just we just don't know don't their know. outlook. Um, yeah, I think Lamar ends up staying. Like, I, I don't think they do anything in terms of like you know. I, I think they just continue to have a standoff. Question is, will he play? Right? Like, we've seen we've seen things everywhere on the spectrum, right? And I think obviously the biggest one on the end is like Le'Veon Bell, where he just did not play. Um, I don't know if Lamar gets to that point. I, I, I don't see that happening. Um, but yeah, he obviously has expressed his frustrations. He obviously, I, I believe he hit her, uh, asked for a trade request, but there's no, you know, big time suitor, right? Like, I mean, I remember when Deshaun first asked it, there was like crazy amounts of volume there, but with Lamar, we're, we're seeing a little bit of a difference in that. And truth be told, I don't, I can't explain that. I, I think, I think Lamar Jackson has proven as much if not more than Deshaun Watson uh I think as a passer maybe Deshaun had more to to show for um but I think Lamar's durability is something that I guess maybe people are really questioning so I think that's where the Ravens maybe have a little bit more leverage um, well then but look at you, look at Deshaun's durability like yeah it like just he tore his ACL sense. twice so so I'm that's why I'm a little bit confused I guess maybe it's just a weird example but I think the Ravens just have more leverage because Lamar single-handedly missed two seasons in a row like you know crucial games down this down the stretch was not there for december or january and it cost them uh cost the team so um i'm not blaming him in any way i'm just saying that's the fact of the matter um so i think that's why the ravens are a little bit you know murky in this whole situation uh in terms of need yeah i'm with you receiver i think is where they go i, I don't know how you pass up a receiver at 22 because i do think one of these guys is going to be there uh i would probably say jsn uh is the guy to go to uh at 22 uh, i think he'll probably slip down there just because of all the concerns this past season um but i you get everything in him uh you get a really solid route runner and you get a guy who can play x he can also run out of the slot um we've seen him be really dynamic um so i, I think jsn would be great I think he's probably what they wanted in a Hollywood Brown uh, in terms of like that number one receiver ability. Sure. He doesn't have that type of speed, but you don't need it. Uh, I think he's pretty, he's pretty solid uh, as a prospect. So yeah, I'd probably go JSN. That'd, that'd be my guy. All right. The Bengals for them, it's, it's about finding the finishing touches for a championship team. The front office should consider continuing to put resources into the trenches. The offensive line was much better when healthy, but, Jonah Williams wants a trade after the Orlando Brown signing puts right tackle in flux. Bengals also might move off of Lyle Collins this offseason. So 
Offensive tackle, that's definitely a need. Cincinnati might also consider one of the top tight ends with its first rounder. The draft is just, it's loaded with talent at tight end, and the Bengals lost Hayden Hurst in free agency after a solid season. They did sign Irv Smith, but he's missed parts of his seasons due to injuries. So finally, with the departure of Samaje Pirine, Joe Mixon has one year left on his deal. I think a running back would make sense. Probably not in the first round, but on day two, I think it makes sense. At pick 28, uh, I'm going to say Dalton Kincaid. Kincaid is certainly another dynamic element to add to the mix when you already have Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd at receiver. Now, Dalton has been dealing with some injury issues that could push him down the board on draft night. So the Bengals might want to opt for someone here like Michael Mayer, if he slips that far, or Darnell Washington, who's ready to go and not coming in with injury concerns. I'm going to assume Mayer goes before this, though, which is why I don't take him over Dalton Kincaid. But there are a lot of people who view Kincaid as the best tight end in this class. So the upside might be worth the risk you take with the injuries. Yeah, I'm a big Mayer guy, uh, especially because I had to watch a lot of them when we played Notre Dame. I think he's phenomenal. Uh, Kincaid is good. I, I agree with you. I think they go tight end here. I actually would think Darnell Washington's probably the best fit at 28. I actually think both those guys go before that. Uh, it's just these are two blue chip prospects. It's, it's hard to not see a team take them. Uh, in this first round, because quite honestly, like prospects, these prospects in the 23 draft can kind of go anywhere. I mean, there are some that you would maybe reach on at 12. There were some that you would you would wait till till like 27, 28. So like there's just a lot of big range here. That's kind of what I've noticed. Um, so, yeah, I'll probably go Darnell Washington. But, yeah, for the Bengals in terms of outlook, you're there already. Right. Like, yeah, you're pretty much you've pretty much addressed every need. Safety is uh, a little bit of a concern. Uh, you've lost both your starting safeties, so you know maybe you want to consider taking, um, you know, someone someone maybe in the early. Uh, I want to say like early second if you could trade up. Uh, I mean, Antonio Johnson's maybe a guy from Texas A&M. He's an interesting guy to look at, um, but yeah, you definitely want a safety. I think somewhere in this draft, especially because losing both your starters is a little bit concerning. So that's probably what I would say in terms of the Bengals' outlook. All right, I'll let you start on your favorite team, Cleveland Browns. Uh, yeah, go. The floor is yours. All right. So, I the more I look at it, the more I've been happy with the free agency. And uh, I remember, I think on our free agency episode, I said the Browns had the best one. And uh, I know Shrikar was a little bit shocked, um, but I I got. I got more and more uh, people kind of agreeing with it in the national media landscape. I saw a lot of people say that the Browns really killed it, and I'm with them. Uh, I think we've done great. I was kind of dead set on in the second round going with an interior defensive lineman, but we don't have a pick till the third round. So, (laughs) uh, I mean, in terms of draft outlook, really, like, I I don't know where we specifically go. Uh, I would – dude, we have, like – I think we've – taken like four defensive tackles in free agency so like if we were to get another one in the draft i don't really think that's where we go um i honestly think there's just depth that we would fill uh maybe in the safety department like dbs i think we're good i mean to be honest i think the the main thing would probably be to maybe get uh, an off-ball linebacker that's probably where i'd look at so maybe trenton simpson um like I just I think for the Browns it's just build we've built through free agency we've got this group of guys here that honestly 
have a really high ceiling. Uh, if you were to look at the roster top to bottom, this is a really talented roster, and obviously it all just comes down to Deshaun. If he is anywhere near that 2020 self, I mean, this is this is like this is such a scary team. I mean, like, let's be real, right? Like, receivers, I think Cooper, DPJ, and Elijah Moore are great. I think that's a great trio. Nick Chubb, obviously Kareem Hunt's a little bit murky. I know Dearness Johnson is gone, so maybe a backup running back for depth. But, I mean, you've got the best kind of first down and second down back in football. So, uh, that's a great place to start. The offensive line, re-signed postage. Um, guards are obviously the best. Uh, Teller and Batonio put together, I think, in the league. Tackles have been good. Um, and then, yeah, when you look at the defense, uh, I cannot pronounce his name. It's the dude from Houston. Aquanu, or I can't I can't say his first name, um, but we got a guy from Houston. He was fifth in pressure rate in 2022. He's going to be great uh, alongside Miles Garrett. I think he's better than Clowney. Okoronkwo? Yeah, I can't say his name. I can't say it. I don't, I don't know. Obo, Obo Okoronkwo. Yeah, something like that. And please, I mean no disrespect because I've watched his tape and I've been really impressed. So I actually think he's going to be a really good player. Um, and then, yeah, I think I would probably say linebacker depth is where we go here. So, uh, Yeah, I think my main question was actually who's playing edge across from Miles Garrett, and it looks like it'll be Okoronko. I think it's a nice signing, but – Really good. I, 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 think, think I, think, I still think the Browns need signing. more. I still think the Browns need more. Um, Cleveland, as you said, doesn't have its first-round pick because of the Sean Watson deal a year ago. I think they would go for a pass rusher on day two for depth. Um, the Browns also need help in the secondary, as you said. Juan Thornhill was a nice signing, but Grant Delpit hasn't locked down the strong safety spot, and John Johnson being released, you know, Cleveland needs depth there. And also, could go to another corner. You have Denzel Ward, Greg Newsome, Martin Emerson, but more depth there, more options on the back end doesn't doesn't hurt. I'll say in that third round, um, I think they'll go edge. <laughs> I think they'll go edge. One name I've been seeing is Andre Carter out of Army. Um, I think he could be a nice fit there, but yeah, I, I think that's the move. And moving on to the final team in the AFC North, the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think this draft has to be about providing reinforcements for Kenny Pickett. To that end, Omar Khan has to be thinking about an offensive tackle early on. Um, I also think Khan has to figure out the defensive line. The pass rush, it's excellent. TJ uh, Watt, Cam Hayward, Alex Highsmith. But this defense has been underwhelming for years against the run. So I think it's time to find a big body inside who can plug gaps, push the pocket on, you know, third downs. And in the defensive backfield, I think the Pat Pete signing was, it was fine, but I think the Steelers still need youth uh, for long-term help. So I think at 17, everybody wants it to happen. Um, This pick would appeal to the fan base. It would be a cool news story, but it's honestly just a really good and logical fit for everyone. And it's Joey Porter. Um, obviously we know about his father um, being a Steelers legend and here they draft his kid. And again, there is a bit of an overhaul happening in the Pittsburgh secondary these days. And with Pat Pete being the centerpiece at the cornerback position, I, I, I just feel like they need to get younger there. So I I'd go DB in the first round for the Steelers. I'm low-key with you. I think Joey Porter would actually be a really good fit here. I know I said that for New England, but they're picking around similar areas. Yeah. So I think he, f- I think Joey Porter is not getting past either the Pats or the Steelers. Uh, I'm going to refute your interior rush point a little bit just because I think 
Ogunjobi was great when healthy, so he'd been battling uh, some injuries. So I think I, I think that's probably not a need that they want to address right away. Uh, I think inside linebacker is something that they've kind of been lacking. Like they just really haven't had consistent help. I know they got Cole Holcomb. Uh, I think this free agency, so just not really seeing that weak side help from guys like Landon Roberts. Uh, you know, guy that. Uh, was kind of wishwashy in uh, Miami, I believe. Just not seeing much from these guys. So if you were to address that, definitely want to do that. You know, maybe in rounds two and three. Um, but I think Joey Porter is probably a, you know, have hit outside the park um, for a team like the Steelers. So I'm kind of with you there. But yeah, if they were to think about some sort of linebacker, maybe Drew Sanders uh, later down the line. But um, Jack Campbell too would be Steelers, nice. Yeah, um, I think that's probably where the Steelers want to you know, focus and maybe day two. Um, but yeah, they're, they're just, a t- again, right. <laughs> they don't fear me, but they're not going to be bad. Uh, they just are incapable of sucking. I do think Penny Pickett is a guy that can take that sort of leap. So I'm all aboard the picket train. I have been for a while. Um, looked really good every single game, he improved. Um, and I think towards the end of the season, you really saw a guy that could, I think carry the mantle a little bit. Like this is a, this is a guy with not just. I I think he's got a ceiling higher than like a Mac Jonesy type of player. Like he's he's really solid. Um, so, uh, that's kind of where I see the Steelers again. Just not gonna fear fear him, but also just too good to be bad. Um, I think yeah. In this division, the Bengals at their peak will obviously be the championship contender. It may sound biased, but the Browns fear me a little bit. Uh, if they can you know hit their potential with Deshaun. Other than that, the Ravens and the Steelers are too many questions right now. All right, moving on to the AFC South. We're going to start with the Texans. I think the Texans are they're in a tough spot, but I'm also kind of jealous of the spot that they're at. Like They have two of the top 12 picks in this year's draft, but they also have more needs than any team in the league. So I think we know what they're going to do at two, obviously. Uh, you're going to get a quarterback early, give them a new battery with D'Amico Ryans, I'd say Houston also needs to find answers on the right side of its O-line and also get a receiver to replace Brandon Cooks. Last season, I mean, the Texans' offense was horrible. And the defense needs help as well, but I think Ryan's will work his magic. So I think Houston should spend its draft significantly upgrading its offense and then also just keep an eye on finding pass rush help. So at two, I'm going to say Bryce Young, um, and that kind of spoils who's going number one, but... In an offense like we're going to see in Houston under Bobby Slowick, I think Bryce can really excel. Texans have built a pretty nice foundation there uh, under Nick Casario. So I think if Casario has a shot at Bryce Young here, obviously Nick Saban players in New England, he comes from New England. I think he could look at this as a one-year trial before getting to the 2024 draft. I know teams maybe aren't thinking like that, but just give yourself a shot to get a real evaluation in that one-year window. Just see where you're at in next year's draft order and make a decision from there. Um, from 2022 to 2024, the Texans will have had six first-round picks. I mean, they just they have ultimate flexibility at QB right now. So Bryce Young is the pick there. I guess I'll also go 12 as well. So I think here is where they'll address pass rusher. I'll say I'll say Miles Murphy. Um, Murphy hasn't quite lived up to his billing in the past couple years, but I think the traits are definitely there to get production out of him. And obviously pairing him with D'Amico Ryan's like 
D'Amico will put him in the best position to win. So Bryce Young and Miles Murphy at two and twelve for me. Um, I think the Texans have made some really sneaky good moves all throughout the offseason. I don't think they've I don't think they've missed like in terms of like guys they've brought in. Uh, I loved Denzel Perryman uh, as a signing. I think it's like a low risk, high reward. Um, that was probably my favorite. Uh, obviously, Jimmy Ward, I think, is going to be a great compliment to Petrie. Like, this is a really solid team uh, that's, like, obviously, look, they're young, they're not grouped, um, and they certainly can be outmatched by a lot of teams, but I really like where they're headed. And uh, at two, obviously, I'm with you. I think Bryce would be a perfect fit. I'm all about about this outside zone wing scheme with uh, Bryce and Damian Pierce. I think that's if, if you know, if there are any scouts watching this or something. I mean, like this is like, like I'm I'm salivating at the fact that this could be a potential offense. Like I think this would be so effective, uh, Bryce and Damian Pierce. I think Damian Pierce is like a really good player. Uh, I'm also like we just don't know what we're getting from John Mechie, but I I thought that was a like obviously prior to the whole cancer thing. I I think he was a perfect compliment to what cooks could be last year when they picked him so i really hope he can be the same type of player um at 12 i i actually wouldn't be mad if they took a receiver i i I like okay i think i know there's not like a true number one you know receiver out of all these guys i think each of them have their own maybe little nuances and flaws but i mean quinn quinn johnston here maybe would be a really cool uh you know x that you could take i know it would be a reach at 12 but I actually like the fit. Uh, I, I think, obviously, maybe at 12, you don't really want to do that. But I think he'd be great in this offense. And uh, obviously, the right side of the line streak, Shaq Mason, I think, is a really good find. Um, so uh, I think that at least that side of the line, you can maybe, obviously, right tackle Titus Howard is eh, right? So, I mean, maybe you can address that a little bit later. But, yeah, the Texans, I mean, considering this is the team I always thought of as, like, the one I paid least attention to, they've got my, they've been on my radar recently. Like, this is, like, finally the year where I say, okay, this is not just some bridge, you know, Lovey Smith one-year thing. Like, this is not, like, a team that's, like, you know, putting themselves in the bottom of the barrel. I think they're really starting to put some pieces together here. Um, and, yeah, I would, I think Murphy would be an interesting guy to add. Um, but I would not be shocked if they go QB receiver 2-12. and 12. All right, the Indianapolis Colts, another team picking inside the top five in this division. They're picking at four. Uh, this is really simple. You start with a quarterback and go from there, whether the Colts trade up or you stay at four. Their first pick has to be a replacement for Matt Ryan, Nick Foles, and Sam Ellinger. <laughs> I mean, Indianapolis has been trying to patchwork this position since Andrew Luck retired in 2019 and just no luck. Once the quarterback is secured, Chris Ballard should begin overhauling the offensive line. Uh, The group struggled in 2022, right? I think left tackle is the biggest concern, but there were also issues at right guard. And finally, I think they also need a receiver to play opposite of Michael Pittman. I think that'd be ideal. At four, hmm. I mean, this really comes down to Richardson or Levis. And it also depends if someone trades up to three. Uh, I'm going to assume that Arizona stays at three and they take Will Anderson. So I'm going to go with Anthony Richardson at four. I think this is the upside swing to make for the Colts here. Um, Just his ability to maneuver the pocket, see the field. I think it elevates his floor as a passer. He can avoid sacks, rocket arm. 
I just think mechanically he needs some work and he needs to be a little bit more consistent, but I think the Colts are going to bet on the upside here and go with Anthony Richardson. Look, I am really high on a rich and I'm, I might spoil the QB rankings, but I don't have it. Uh, Bryson Stroud is one and two. Let me just say it like that. Like I'm really high on this guy. I'm really high on this guy. Uh, I again, I, I was Shrieker and I were talking about it before the episode started. I usually like for the last. I think it's been literally since since Josh that I've like you know, um, not really been interested in these like raw blue chip guys with the strong arm and things like that. So it, it's been a while since I've really found a guy that I can actually put some stock into. Yeah, because like, I mean, if we want to look till like 2015, I I only really put stock in Wentz and Allen, those like big guys. You know what I'm talking about? Like strong arm. Those were kind of the two that I really put some stock into. A rich man. I like. I, I mean, I, like I have the more I watch him the more I like. So it's, yeah, I'm really impressed with him. So I'm with you. If it gets to that point at four, no way am I taking Will Levis over Anthony Richardson. There's no way. Um, So let me just put that out there. The Cardinals are in such a good spot at three. Um, But truth be told, uh, I've been seeing this a lot too, and maybe we can talk about this more when we get to them. I really think they should do this whole tank for Caleb thing. Like I'm like, you can get so much for Kyler and I would, I would really try and get Caleb at one and maybe stick with, you know, a really big prospect here at three, right? Just take a Will Anderson type of player or maybe get draft capital that you could use to trade up to one next year. But um, I think the Cardinals are in a good spot as weird as their off season has been. I actually think they're in a pretty good spot for the future. So, uh, but you're right. I think it really depends for Indianapolis what happens at three. That because that's going to be a really interesting. I think that's probably going to be the most interesting pick uh, of the first round. Because if you know a team trades up there, like I mean, the most interesting you know, for the most interesting pick of the first round is one. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I feel think, like it's so. Still you're one. right. Yeah, where I think I think the two like whichever two quarterbacks go in the top two, right? That third quarterback is going to like they are going to be teams fighting for that third yes. guy. Yeah, because yes. one of those yep. three, there's a boatload of teams that like like them. So uh, let me just get back to the Colts real quick. Yeah, I think they got to take quarterback at four if they have the opportunity. Um, right guard, you said it. I really hope I never have to watch Matt Pryor again, and I thank God he's not on the team anymore. But he was the worst offensive lineman I have ever watched, and I'm not even kidding. So, um, but yeah, like Ryan Kelly, I think is good. Braden Smith has obviously got his money. Uh, Bernard Ryman was a guy that we looked at a lot last year when he was coming out of the draft. So uh, I think give him a little bit more time at left tackle. Quentin Nelson is Quentin Nelson. So uh, in terms of the offensive line, I think they're kind of they're kind of good there. Uh, on defense, they've got a lot of maybe pieces that you can add to. But like this is overall a pretty decent roster. Uh, I just think that you know the whole quarterback situation really got to them last year. Um, but yeah, you got to go QB at four. Like, I mean, and you if you, if you want to hear more about the Cardinals, we're going to have another video coming out sometime next week, uh, where we're going to do the NFC version of this a little preview, a little sneak peek. We'll put that out there. Uh, let's move on to the Jacksonville Jaguars last year. The Jaguars spent an NFL record amount of guaranteed money in free agency. And now they have to recalibrate and load up through the draft. So I think one position of focus is going to be cornerback. Uh, Shaquille Griffin got released to save money next season. This rookie crop is deep at corner. Trent Baalke should also be targeting an edge edge rusher with uh, Josh Allen. He's entering the final year of his deal. 
And even if Jacksonville retains Allen, they don't really have anyone else. So if the Jaguars can bolster their defense, I think they will be an interesting Super Bowl contender. Um, at 24, you know what? I'm, I'm going to go Nolan Smith. I'm going to say they attack edge here. Jaguars, they've, they've had some good luck with Georgia guys recently, even if it's a smaller sample. Trayvon Walker is going to improve. Tyson Campbell at cornerback has taken huge strides. Um, but again, it, it, it's edge rusher with Allen. And also one loss for this team that cannot be overstated is Arden Key. Um, he emerged in that second half of the season as a consistent pass rush weapon for the Jaguars defense. And Key is now with the Titans, a division rival. So the Jaguars move on from Key and they replace him with Nolan Smith here. And also Caleb on chase on. I forgot to mention him. So Nolan Smith is the replacement for both of those guys with this pick, basically. I think they go offensive tackle uh, in the uh, in the draft. Obviously, you mm-hmm. lost uh, Jawan Taylor to the Chiefs, so I pr- I actually think Darnell Wright would go here. I think that would probably be a really good place for him to go. Um, so yeah, that's kind of my outlook draft wise. Now, in terms of need, yeah, I think offensive tackle is just where you need to go. This is a this is a nice looking team. Uh, nice. I think. Oh man. Um, God, I, I cannot believe it. Like it, it's just it just feels like yesterday we were talking about, you know, will Trevor Lawrence pan out and will this team uh, you know, can he be that answer? I mean, just it just goes to show you how far a quarterback can take you. I mean, he is literally the reason this team has been transformed. I mean, he's got everybody playing better. Um Well Pete, and I know Peterson I'm not too. I'm not just Yeah, oh of course. Dougie P hats off right like that was favorite i mean favorite kind of combo kind of coming into 22 um i'm not just saying that because i'm a huge t-law guy but wow i mean this like team this team's got i think they're in a great place in terms of the afc south uh they're the ones that are keep that can keep going up uh they've got a really good group like this is a this is a really good uh, group of guys and i think calvin ridley is only gonna make them better just because again he's not going to be asked to be this like sole x uh Shriek knows firsthand how much I like Christian Kirk. So I think they will be great compliments to each other. Um, yeah, I think, but you got to get an offensive tackle here because the offensive line did kind of wear them down in that divisional round game, right? Uh, they were getting a little bit of uh, allowing a little bit of exterior pressure. Uh, and that I think got to Trevor, especially in the fourth quarter. So uh, got to address that. All right. Last team in the AFC South, the Tennessee Titans. Um the Titans fell apart down the stretch, going from 7-3 and three to missing the playoffs. The defense could use upgrades on the back end, but I think Tennessee has to prioritize the offense in Rand Carthen's first draft as general manager. Tennessee desperately needs to find a top-tier weapon. Give Traylon Burks a nice running mate. I think you also need to find help on the offensive line, first at tackle and then on the interior. I mean, this group struggled badly to hold up in pass pro last season, so... I think they're going to go tackle here. Taylor Lewan is gone. Andre Dillard is in. Ben Jones and Nate Davis are both out. This Titan, I mean, they're going to be replacing a few starters. So I think they go best available here. And I think it's Peter Skaronsky. Um, That would be just a godsend at this point for them. I mean, he could pencil in at any, you know, of a number of available starting spots for Tennessee's offensive line. And, I think he'd be a nice value here at 11, too. I just I, I think he can squeak out of the top 10 here, especially if the Bears take Paris Johnson. So Skaronsky's the pick here for the Titans. Yeah, I'm with you. I think they, look, the Titans window is like 
I think it's closed, and I think, like, they're, again, stuck with this. I think the Patriots, Titans, and Steelers are kind of in this tier of their own where it's, like, they're, they're, they don't fear me at all, but they're too good to be bad, right? Like, they've got they, – they're – they're just a they're good they're a good constructed team with a good coach. Um, I just don't see them picking inside the top ten, and yeah, they flat out collapsed. I mean, I, they were seven and three, and you lose seven straight, right? Like, um, that's just really crazy to me. Look, I've got no faith in Malik Willis. I'm just gonna throw that out there. So, I don't think he's your answer. Um, and you're right. I think they've got to get a compliment to Traylon Burks. I think you'll probably get a guy that's better than him in this draft at pick 11 if you could. So maybe a guy like Jordan Addison would be a really cool compliment to get. Uh, that's probably be, uh, probably would be an interesting guy. Skaronsky, as you mentioned, at pick 11 could uh, definitely happen. I like him. He's probably my favorite tackle in this draft. Um, yeah, dude. Tennessee is just in a weird place, man. You, like and you're you're just letting go of old guys left and right. Right? You had your championship window kind of in this 1920 area, right? And now your players got old and you didn't really have a plan in place. So now you're stuck with an aging roster that's good still, just not good enough. So do you like, think they could not a team so that you, Do you think they could possibly trade up yeah, for a QB? Maybe. That's always a possibility, but like what do you do? Uh, I, I it would, it would probably have to be for Levis, if anything. Yeah, see, like, that's the thing, right? I mean, can you really get all the way up to three? Like, that would be the only way you would get one of the, the top three in my eyes, and I just don't think – I don't think Levis is worth the trade-up. If we're it, being honest, I don't think he – It would take so, a lot, but keep in mind the Niners jumped from 12 to three, um, so 11 to three is definitely yeah. possible. Um, definitely I possible. I wouldn't count on it to I don't happen. Know. Yeah, the Titans. The Titans have never been that type of front office to do something like that. Um, they've usually been the ones to trade down. Remember, we we saw that massive trade down back in sixteen with the Rams. So um, we haven't really seen the Titans do uh, do that. So uh, time will tell. Uh, they've not been afraid to draft a quarterback. Uh, so you know, I can't rule it out. But I think they kind of stick at eleven, get in, get some kind of complimentary piece. All right, final division here, the AFC West. We will start with the Broncos, uh, who are without a first-round pick for the second straight year. Uh, so the Broncos need to be creative in filling their various needs. So on day two of the draft, I think they're going to be looking at offensive line. They need help there. You could also upgrade on the edge. But I, I really, the top priority is fixing Russell Wilson, and that begins with shoring up that front, right? And then on defense, you trade Bradley Chubb to the Dolphins. So Denver really only has Randy Gregory and Baron Browning at edge. So if there's an impact pass rusher that you like in the third round, I think the Broncos should be aggressive. And lastly, I think a corner to pair long-term with Patrick Sertan would be good. Um, But I think in the third round, I think they'd go with edge. So one name I might throw out there, Derek Hall um, out of Auburn. He could be a guy, Andre Carter, as I mentioned before, that could be possible. But yeah, I, I think they would go with edge and then probably interior O-line in that third round. Yeah, I think I think uh, I've heard a lot of DJ Turner from Michigan uh, be linked to uh, to Denver in round three. Um, uh, he's a compliment to Sertan, as you were alluding to. Denver is like, Denver spent you know, money on some weird pieces in free agency. I was, I obviously expressed my, you know, 
dissatisfaction towards the McGlinchey signing. Um, but yeah, D- Denver already had pieces in place, right? I think they're they're similar to the Jets in the sense that like, look, both teams have a really good defense, and we've got questions at quarterback. Um, and you know, Sean Payton's kind of coming in uh, a year kind of removed from coaching, but we've seen what he can do. Uh, but yeah, Denver's in this murky uh, spot, especially because I don't really know how they stack up with the Chiefs and the Chargers, because uh, mm-hmm. that's who you're chasing right now, and I I just don't really know how they stack right now. I don't think they beat. I think they still get swept by the Chiefs if we're sitting here right now, right? And I still think the Chargers are a better team. So that's kind of where I see Denver. I think Denver just needs to add pieces that just make you know. Again, I think they would probably go you know, best guy available. I think that's probably what they need to do, right? BPA uh, for for their kind of draft. And, you know, kind of go from there. Uh, you've got guys pretty much everywhere along both sides of the ball that, uh, you know, you can maybe invest a little bit more in, see where they go from here. Uh, you know, still murky on the whole Jerry Judy thing, right? Like no one yeah. really has traded for him. I think if the Browns didn't go for Elijah Moore, I think we probably would have seen a trade there. But didn't end up happening. So uh, Denver's kind of, again, stuck a little bit. Uh, we just need to see it, yeah. quite frankly, as you mentioned, right? Yeah. Will Russell Wilson return? Because if he does, yeah, Denver's in a good spot. Question is, will he, right? So I think the Browns and the Broncos are in this similar type of area, right? Kind of good divisions that they're in. Question is towards the quarterback, but a pretty good roster through and through. Another team that has a pretty good roster, the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, the world champs, I mean, the Chiefs know – all about making an impact through the draft. They had eight rookies play significant snaps last season, and each of them helped the Chiefs catch that Lombardi. Um, And now they go into another draft with a ton of picks. After trading away Tyreek Hill, the Chiefs didn't have a single receiver get 1,000 yards, and they lost both McCole Hardman and Juju. So I think they could use a speed guy who could consistently beat man um, on defense. I mean, Kansas City was really good on the D-line, but with Frank Clark being, you know, being gone, I think Beach could try to find a young running mate for uh, George Karlaftis. But I think at 31, I have one guy who is just, I think, a clear fit here, um, and it's Jalen Hyatt. I, I think he would be phenomenal in an Andy Reid offense. As I said, speed through and through. This is what Kansas City is pretty much founded upon, so... I think it just fits the bill, and I think it fits everything that Kansas City, you know, what they go for. So I'd go Jalen Hyatt here at 31. Man, that's exactly what I was thinking. Um, I I think, yeah, you got to go maybe receiver here. Because to be honest, yeah, the Chiefs have had high-impact rookies that really all had, like, I remember I came up on here and said that the Chiefs had the best draft of 2022. Again, was kind of looked up weirdly upon. I know a lot of people like the Ravens draft, but everybody on the Chiefs played well, um, and I think you're going to just see them improve. Uh, maybe to replace Thornhill, you might want to go uh, safety depth, but I'm with you, dude. Receiver, speed, height would be such a, like, you know, reach pick, but the Chiefs would do it, and it would work. Like, I mean, he would have won in the second would... anyways, so... Yeah, I think this is better than the whole Clyde Edwards-Hilaire type of pick that uh, the Chiefs made in 2020 because I think Hyatt would be more of an impact player than maybe Clyde. But I, I think you're getting similar vibes, right? Like, yeah, we had really high expectations for CEH. Like, there were, you know, he, he was the first running back taken in that draft. 
And I remember, like, fantasy-wise, too, everyone thought this guy was going to get the work. Um, but, yeah, in terms of, like, the Chiefs receiver room, what, is it, is it MVS is, like, receiver one? Like, I, I'm, like, yeah, I'm it's, so lost. I, I mean, think Sky Moore. So, yeah. Kadarius Tony. I mean, right, see, like, yeah. Yeah, you need, like, I think you need a guy that can stretch the field. Um, but you also maybe need a guy at X. So if you can, I mean, if somehow you could get, uh, you know, maybe a Josh Downs, maybe someone with height. Um, but a lot of these guys don't like, they're not really like a big, strong receiver out here in this draft. That's like high on boards. Uh, I'm kind of looking through my list too. Yeah. Not really like a big guy that, I mean, you know, Zay Flowers, five, nine downs, five, 10, um, tank Dell from Houston, five, 10, uh, uh, Jalen Hyatt is also, I think, 5'10". So just a lot of speed and uh, not really a lot of size, which is what I think the Chiefs actually would need. But if you were to reach on a receiver, Hyatt. All right. Las Vegas Raiders. Last season, um, the Raiders could not – they just could not get sacks. And except for Max Crosby, you know, there was really – it was pretty non-existent. Chandler Jones is still under contract for at least one more year. So I think the Raiders' best way to increase pressure rates could be finding an elite corner to upgrade what is a horrible secondary. Um, and on offense, I think you need to add help up front. Outside of Colton Miller, I think the Raiders could pretty much upgrade at every position. Right tackles, the most pressing. So they'll have options when the Raiders are on clock at seven. Um, you know what? I, I'm going to go Devon Witherspoon here. Uh, I, I think... You know I feel about the Jimmy trade, or not the Jimmy signing, um, but you got to get a better defense behind him, like he had in San Francisco, and you can get closer to having one by adding a player like Witherspoon to the secondary. Uh, I think his overall game is really impressive. Um, I, he doesn't force a lot of turnovers, but he forces a lot of breakups, which is important. So I don't think it's too big of a knock. So yeah, I'll, I'll go with it. It's kind of it's between Witherspoon and Gonzalez, but. I think I like Witherspoon more at this point than Gonzalez. So I'll go Witherspoon one here and he'll go at seven. I'm glad because if you had said Gonzalez, you liked him more, I would have probably the Pac-12 in me would have disagreed with you. Um, yeah, I think Witherspoon actually is a really solid pick. He probably would be mine. <sighs> People have linked the Raiders to get a quarterback at seven, maybe a Levis. Nah, I, I don't buy don't it at this point. Do it. Yeah, don't do it. It is not worth it. Um, I think you ride out Jimmy this year, and in 2024, if it just does not work out, he gets injured, fine. But I think you ride it out. I'm telling you, I'm I'm a fan of it, so I like the whole Jimmy thing. Um, the Raiders can go so many different ways here. Uh, you know, they could take Skaronsky if they wanted to at seven. Uh, I just don't think maybe scheme fit. Maybe it's that good. But, yeah, you could go so many different ways here. But I'm going to stick with you. I'm going to agree with you and go Witherspoon at seven here. I, I think that would be such a great fit. Uh, barring any trade back, which I think the Raiders could also do um, at seven if, like, a guy like Levis is still there and someone wants to trade up, right? Mm -hmm. I wouldn't mind to trade back. Um, but, yeah, I, I think you either go corner uh, tackle or as you mentioned edge uh, you know maybe a Brian Brees uh, kind of a reach pick Brizzy. but you never know or Brzee I can't pronounce these names man <laughs> um, but uh, yeah so one, one of those guys you'd probably go with um, but yeah I think I'll, I'll stick with you and go Witherspoon all right final team here for the video um, Los Angeles Chargers 
they finally made the playoffs in Justin Herbert's third year, and then they squandered a 27-0 lead to the Jaguars in the wild card round. So moving forward, I think the Chargers, they could upgrade at left guard. They released Matt Filer. Um, the run game was just not very good last year, and if they plan to move or not re-sign Austin Eckler, they'll need a replacement there as well. And finally, I think they could also target a receiver. Keenan Allen's aging. Mike Williams is an annual injury risk, and there's not much depth behind them. So I think you could target a receiver on day two. I wouldn't mind if they went with the receiver at day one, especially if there's a run. So there's flexibility. Um, So I think at 21, I do think they go receiver. And you know what? I'll I'll say Zay Flowers. I think – Yeah, I was (laughs) – That was – I <laughs> that was my pick. Okay. I All right. I think with Kellen Moore coming in, you pretty much need three starters at receiver and you need more depth. So again, I, I think you can't go wrong here whether you're talking about Zay Flowers or Jordan Addison. I think the Chargers would probably love to see both of them sitting on the board when they're on the clock, which I think in my scenario, because yeah, I had I had the Ravens taking Addison, so they're both gonna be on the board, but I'd I'd side Zay Flowers here. Um I think he he just feels like a charger to me. I don't know what it is. <laughs> Damn, man, that was that was my whole. I was gonna have a whole leading up to Zay. Yes, I'm with you. I this is gonna sound like a lot of agreeing, but yeah, Zay Flowers is my guy here. Um, I like him a lot. Like I'm really high on this guy. Uh, he's five nine, but oh my god, that guy is like that guy is a receiver. I mean, he does literally everything right. His tape is amazing. Um. Damn, yeah, I'm just mad that I got my, like, thing still. Okay, yeah, my whole thing was, yeah, I think the Chargers definitely could use someone in the slot. Um, Keenan Allen obviously plays that a little bit, um, but he's more of your kind of go-get-it-X, and I think uh, in 11 personnel, you can finally run that, and I know Kellen Moore likes to push that, so Zay Flowers would be a great addition there. Chargers, like, otherwise, yeah, interior offensive line is always something to consider, um, though I, I think the offensive line played pretty well. I mean, Rashawn Slater being out didn't really help them much of the year, but this is just a team that is good, right? Again, will be a perennial playoff team. Um, I think Herbert's still got to take a couple steps. Uh, I'm still not, you know, fully invested in him being the absolute cream of the crop, uh, but yeah, that's kind of my outlook on the charge. I think Zay Flowers would be great. All right, that caps it. Um, that's all the AFC teams. And next week's video, you're going to see us go all uh, do this again to go over all the NFC teams. I think this was a pretty fun exercise, honestly. Pretty long, uh, but it took a lot. Yeah, it, took a lot it was a good combo, good discussion. Cool. Um, I like this idea Ooh, of doing underrated pick for the Chargers. Sorry, I wanted to throw it out. Go ahead. Maybe they go Bijan. Maybe they go yeah, Bijan. They could. Uh, they. Uh, you know, Eckler's kind of on his way out of there anyway. But I think in terms of the NFL landscape, there's still a lot of questions that need to be answered, right? Like, we, we just kind of went through it and, like, yeah, I mean, Lamar, the A-Rod trade, Eckler, right? I mean, now Joe Mixon, what what's going on with him with the whole off-the-field stuff? So a lot of stuff that we're, we need to, you know, get our answers kind of formed. And I think that'll happen in the next, you know, month or so. But draft preparation, I think this is, like, this is the weirdest draft. Like, this I, is the most unpredictable draft. Like, I don't know yeah, what's like, going to happen. There's just no tears. Yeah, there's no tears. I mean, I remember when we did our mocks 2020, 20, 21, 22, we all kind of knew where guys would go around, right? Like, we were kind of pretty confident, okay, this guy would be in the 10s. This guy would be in the 20s. This guy is definitely going top 10. This draft, I've, 
I mean, maybe just yeah. because I'm a little bit behind, but I've got no clue, man. Like <laughs> on some of these guys, so we'll 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 get a we'll get a we'll get a feel for it, maybe a little bit closer to the draft. But uh, yeah, hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, thank you guys so much for watching. We've been the Cold Art Truth NFL Podcast, and we will see you guys next time.